Since I'm in a position to talk to these kids and they listen, I ain't no politician, but I kick it with them a minute. Cause see, they call me a menace. And if the shoe fits, I wear it. But if it don't, then y'all will swallow the truth. Yo, what is up, podcast fam? It's your boy Marlon. I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Resistance Crossroads Project. This is episode two, and I'm excited about today's show. Our first episode already blew up with about 11 listeners, so I'm sure by the end of this week we'll probably hit, I don't know, like 15. So yeah, you could say big things are happening over here. Max couldn't be here for today's episode, but that's cool because we hang out with a really good friend of mine, Jessica Rojas. This time last year, Jessica decided that it was time to make a pretty drastic change in her life, so she packed her bags moved to Peru for three months to live and volunteer and learn all about Peruvian culture. Listen as she shares her experience as an American citizen living in a new land. At one point, Jessica is woken in the middle of the night by the sounds of her neighbors being robbed, and she had the crazy realization that she was in a position to do absolutely nothing about it. So yeah, this episode's packed in with a lot of fun stories and some pretty cool life lessons. So let's jump right into it. Click to record. So now testing, testing, one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have our fireplace back All up. All right. So you don't even need to think about that. Yeah, okay. All right, so. I'm getting nervous. It's cool to get nervous. <laughs> so this is your first podcast. My first podcast. Which yes. is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I have you here because I want to talk to you about your experiences when you went traveling. At some point in your life, you decided that you wanted to make a pretty drastic change and you actually left the country and moved to Peru for, what, three months? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's pretty pretty drastic. A lot of people don't do that, mm-hmm. you know? So do you want to kind of share what that was all about? Like what sparked sure. that and what you <clears throat> learned? Yeah, so ever since I was at the university at Albany, I've been dying to go traveling, and I saw that there were, like, study abroad programs, and, you know, I've always had this, urge to want to do it but in the moment I think I was still pretty immature and I didn't take an initiative to to enroll in one of those programs until my senior year of college and I didn't even enroll in like a full semester program which would be about like six six or seven months um I enrolled in like a winter break program which is about two weeks it was like two maybe a little bit more than two weeks and so I was able to do that that was like my first trip um alone like without my parents because before that I had gone to Peru but I was a child um so doing that opened my eyes to see like that other countries have so much beauty within them other than what I see here in the U.S. and you know I only knew U.S. culture and somewhat of proving culture based on my family so I got to learn a different culture in Belize um that's where I studied abroad so once I went there and I came back, I realized, oh my gosh, if this country has so much beauty to offer, I'm sure there's other countries that have, you know, so much more to offer. Um, but I stayed here. I started working, you know, what you normally do after you graduate college. And um, I actually stayed in Albany. I worked for the University of Albany. And I realized, like, something's missing in my life. I feel like I did the full structure of, you know, you go to school, you get a job. But I didn't have like a moment where I just had so much fun. I mean, I had a good time in school, but I just felt like something was missing. And after working for two years, I was like, I need to change something in my life. I need to to do something drastic, um, something different and learn more about myself. And like, you don't know, you don't learn about yourself until you're like alone. So 
one day I was planning it, I just started looking at um, volunteer organizations in Peru. I was, you know, I was at work. I should have been working, but um, <laughs> I decided to Google, you know, different volunteer organizations. And I sent out a bunch of emails that day just to all these different organizations. And weeks went by. I didn't hear back from any of them. You know, a lot of these these organizations are competitive because they, they want someone with like great backgrounds and and um, they have to do checks on them. They don't just take anyone. So, you know, I started realizing maybe if I don't get a call back or hear back from any of them, maybe I won't go. I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. So I kind of stopped planning that. And then one day after like maybe three, four months from that email, I got an email uh, back saying, are you still interested? And, you know, we apologize for the delay. And I was like, I am highly interested. Um, and so I had an interview with them and... Um, after that, they asked me, "What's when do I want to come? And I just decided right there and then, you know, January. And so after that moment, I started planning, you know, here, like telling my job, hey, guess what? I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go travel. And you normally kind of get nervous. I was very nervous to actually ask um, or tell them that this is what I wanted to do because I just felt like most people quit their job because they have another job lined up or something better. But I'm quitting my job to have no financial income and go to a different country that I know nothing about. And luckily I work with some amazing people and they supported me. They even, um, you know, raised some money for me to, to go on this trip. Um, they threw me a going away party and they were like, we support you in every, in every way. And if you need anything, let us know. And if you want to come back to this job, you can. Um, while it was very appreciated, I knew in that moment, like, it wasn't my time to ever come back there. Um, I knew I wanted to do something different. So I had everything going for me then. I had my plan set, and I left. Um, I kind of wish I would have planned for a longer trip, but I think things happen for a reason. And so at that moment, I, you know, I had my going away party, and I was off to Peru um, and it was an amazing experience. I didn't have any income. I just volunteered my time with an organization that, you know, worked with underprivileged youth. And it was a different community to see that because I've worked with underprivileged youth in college, you know, in different schools. But to see a school um, in an underdeveloped country was a different uh, moment of realization of how much resources other countries lack. But it was eye-opening. Um, it was a great experience. I've learned so much from it. I've learned so much about myself. I think we can go into details about that later. But that was that was kind of what led me to go to Peru, just wanting to, just wanting something different and trying to learn on my own and just get a new experience because I felt like doing it here would be the same routine, right? We all graduate, we go, to, we start working, then we get a new job or we get a promotion, and then we get married and we have kids and we live the same old boring lifestyle. And I said I didn't want that. I I want to experience something different um, and struggle a little bit to try to get past it. So nice. Yeah. So yesterday we did talk a little bit about that experience of you know being of American culture. You were raised here in the U.S. and you know you are of Peruvian descent. And when you went out there, you were, you had these expectations about what life would be like over there, what you might experience, what you might see. And you said you kind of had this realization, I guess, where it was almost, you saw that you had a great hair in the U.S., although Peru has everything it is, it has all this beautiful culture and it has a lot to offer, you realized that America is a little bit more for you. But that doesn't take away from the experience that you had. Mm -hmm. You know, do you want to touch on that a little bit? 
Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, I went to Peru to do this volunteer volunteer work, um, but I also wanted to see my family. So like Marlon mentioned, my background is Peruvian. My family, I have a bunch of family that's still out there, um, in particular Lima, Peru and Trujillo, Peru. So I wanted to learn more about my culture, spend time with the people I've heard so much about but don't truly know, um, and you know, kind of feel like I belong because even though I am Peruvian, it's different to say Peruvian and you don't really know your country. So I wanted to feel like I finally understood my country and I finally get what it means to be Peruvian. So that's why I also chose to go to Peru as opposed to any other country. Um, and so I told myself don't have any expectations, but wanting to go and and truly feel like one with the culture was an expectation. And I wanted to say like, I love my culture and I, I'm so proud to be Peruvian. Um, but you know, not, not that I'm not, I, I love being Peruvian, I love who I am, and I love the background that I have, but I've realized there's a lot of, you know, uh, different or negative aspects of it, too, just being there in itself, the country is, you know, it has a high poverty rate, um, and you kind of see it depending on where you are. As a tourist, I think many tourists stay in the same uh, major city, like Miraflores, which is a great, beautiful place, but that's not really what Peru's about. Um, so I stayed with my family where they're actually in like, you know, these these areas that are not as safe um, and you have to watch your back everywhere you go. And I think I realized like I, I during those moments, you know, of course, I missed the U.S. where in the U.S. I can walk anywhere and I feel like nothing's going to happen to me. Um, the risk is always there, but it's not as high as it is in Peru because my family has gotten robbed multiple times, you know, walking in the street, you know, people trying to break into their house, uh, getting their car, breaking into their car, breaking the windows while they're just in a taxi. So learning about that and, and experiencing that fear of everyday life um, wasn't something I enjoyed. Um, not saying that you should not go to Peru, people should totally visit Peru. <laughs> um, but again, you have to know where the safe areas are. Um, and again, this was just my experience because I stayed with family and, you know, their neighborhoods are not the safest. Um, but also when I worked in the volunteer organization in Trujillo, there, the school was actually in like the, like a desert area. Um, Trujillo is a major city, but if you go a little bit past the area, it's, it's a little bit like a desert. And so the heat was ridiculous. Your, I, you know, my whole back was burnt just by going to the school, just by walking and taking transportation. Um, and the children are used to that, that heat. And I felt so bad seeing the lack of resources in the school and thinking about the school I grew up. I thought, you know, my school lacked resources, but I didn't ever compare it to this level of extreme where, um, you know, the water doesn't run every day. So students don't get to drink water all the time. And if they want to drink water, um, they either have to bring it with them or go to the store and buy it. Or sometimes it's just the sink water that runs and you have to drink sink water. But us as Americans, we can't drink that water because we would get sick. But they're so used to just drinking that water, even though it's not the cleanest water, that their bodies, they, they don't react to it. Um, and like even one of my students decided to go outside. He was, he was really thirsty and he asked me, because I brought myself a water bottle, and he asked me, can I have a sip of yours? And unfortunately, if I give him one sip, I have to give all the students a sip. And we can't do that, right? That's that's also not hygienic. Um, and so I asked my director, can I? And my director told me, unfortunately, you can't. You know, um, that's not part of your requirement. So I couldn't give him water. And so he asked, can I go get water? And I said, sure. And I was a little confused because I wasn't sure what was happening. And my director said, just let him go. You'll see when he comes back. 
and he went out and <laughs> found an empty used water bottle and came in and put you know regular sink water in it and just drank it the rest of the class and I was really like I, I asked my director this isn't hygienic I shouldn't let him use it but my director said, this is what they're used to and we can't change that so it's kind of hard to be some be someone who comes from a very different uh, background where you know we have clean water we have water fountains we have water bottles um, we always have water um, to see a school that sometimes doesn't have water they don't have water fountains they don't have clean water um, and seeing the kids just be used to that and I felt like I just couldn't I'm there and I'm helping them learn English but I wasn't there and helping them change the structure and the government clearly doesn't help that much if this is still the situation in some schools of course there are other schools that have better resources but these schools that are highly under-resourced um, are still suffering. So seeing that firsthand was like impactful for me. It kind of, it, it made me question myself, like what am I doing here? Am I really helping? Am I not helping? Um, and it, it put me in this like uncomfortable situation. I felt so uncomfortable. Like I came there to help, but there's only so much I can do. And I felt like we need more people coming here and doing different things, not just coming here and teaching them English while teaching them English provides an opportunity for them for a better job and getting out of that poverty um, it doesn't change what they're currently living in so that was another difficult part for me <laughs> being a part of that observing the lack of resources and coming from such a privileged background um, but yeah yeah no I definitely think when you travel you gain an appreciation for your own life and your own situation because I remember as a child I went to Jamaica my family's Jamaican and we stayed with my grandfather up in the countryside for about a week. And then we went down to an all-inclusive resort. So in the countryside, you know, he lived in a pretty nice area. There's still kind of a ghetto down lower in the hills. But everything was pretty cool and pretty clean. And I could walk around and I felt relatively comfortable enough. But going to the resort, I remembered we did an excursion outside and we left this five-star all-inclusive the second we got outside of the gates. Homeless, poverty, you know, guy missing an arm, people starving. Mm -hmm. Just right there outside mm -hmm. of the gates where inside I'm eating all the food I want and I'm throwing away, you know, plates with food still on it. Mm -hmm. And I was a little kid when this happened. I think I was maybe about nine. And that stuck with me so much because that was my first time actually experiencing life on the other side and seeing it for what it was it wasn't filtered for mm -hmm. me you know within the resorts it's filtered for you within the country of america things are nice and you know you're seeing a filtered view of the way life can be and it's a great filter but then a lot of people never really ever get to step outside mm -hmm. and witness another way of life mm -hmm. and they and like what you said like that little boy he went he got the water and he was drinking it and to you and i we're like we can't drink that. We're going to get sick. Mm -hmm. But that's their way of life. He's surviving and he's able to mm -hmm. do that. So that's ridiculously cool that you're able to gain that perspective. I think it's really important and why traveling helps grow people so much in such a short span of time because you really, it's culture shock. You get dropped into something so brand new to you. Yeah, so I agree with that. Um, I highly promote traveling for anyone. And like, I don't say these stories to try to scare anyone or be like, oh my God, I don't want to go there because they're lacking resources. I think you should go there to observe what, what lacking resources actually means and to learn about you know, how privileged we are really to be American or to even live in the United States. And then you know, um, people assume negative things about Latin American people who come into the US, but 
people also don't understand. I'm not I'm not trying to excuse certain bad behavior, but I'm just trying to bring a different perspective where sometimes, you know, certain things that are probably negative here are what pe- people had to do in their country to survive. And so I'm not saying everyone is a bad person who's coming from a different country, but they're so used to doing certain things, they forget that in the U.S. it's not acceptable. And because in their current country, they had to do it to survive. So for example, if in, in Peru, if you don't have money and you're hungry, you might need to steal, right? That might happen. And then um, I'm not saying it's excusable. Like, again, it's not an excusable act. But if you want to live, you have to survive, right? You do whatever it takes. And sometimes people come here and they do certain acts. And then we have this generalization that all Latin Americans are thieves. But it's just like maybe take the time to take a step back and understand the perspective. Are they hungry? Are they starving? Yeah, they're used to, they, they were in the past and this is what they've been used to. We have to teach and educate right. them how to get out of that that habit. Um, so I think it opens your eyes in a different light to see it firsthand, um, you know, see the lack of resources, see what, what it really means to be in survival mode 24 seven. Right. Cause like I said, even walking outside of my, you know, my aunt's house or my grandparents' house, um, <laughs> You just never know who's coming up behind you and, and what they're going to do to you. And, you know, even when I slept at my grandma's house one night, um, I got woken up in the middle of the night because I just heard screaming. And in that moment, I, I wanted to see what it was. You know, we're, we're all nosy people. We, <laughs> we hear something. We want to we wanna know what's going on. Um, but because I knew it was not a good, safe place, I did not get... I went close to the window, but I hid under the window. I didn't want to show my face. Um, but I realized that there was a robbery going on right outside the house. Um, these girls and these guys were walking, and it was like maybe 2 in the morning. They were just walking down the street, and then I hear them screaming, help me, help me. So I get close to the window, try to listen, and you know, this guy in a motorcycle just pulled up in front of them, pulls out a gun, and is like, give me your phone, give me your money, give me everything. And they're screaming, help me, help me, help me. But no one is going out to help them because, again, everyone's in survival mode. I don't want to help you because then I'll be the one who gets either robbed or killed. So, you know, and even me, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I was just there listening. I wasn't there jumping in to right. save them. Um, and, of course, I was even hiding under my window because if this guy actually has a gun, he could also shoot me, right, because now I'm a witness. So it's just crazy to be in that situation and realize, like, there, we want to help, but we also can't help because then we're hurting ourselves. Right. So that's what I mean. Like there, there were a lot of moments where I just felt like I was here. I came here for a purpose to try to help, but there's only so much I can do alone. You know, it's so interesting because sometimes we're so far removed from certain situations and certain realities that we begin to build this new perception of things. You know, if you look at the way people eat their food, right? How many times everyone eats meat, but have you ever hunted? Have you ever actually gone out and stalked your prey and gotten right. that meat and cut it up for yourself? But you still eat meat and you don't have that appreciation for it. You know, you live in this country where everything is provided for you and you would love to say, oh, well, if I saw somebody getting robbed, I would jump out and I'd put my life on the line. Like, would you really? Have you ever actually been in that situation? Right. Everyone's willing to fight until the fight's right in front of their face. Mm-hmm. And then that's how you know what you'll do and how you'll react. Mm-hmm. And you're not bad or better for doing one thing or the other it's just you don't know what you're going to do in that situation until you're there yeah so that's really cool and that's one thing yeah when you travel it really it does it throws you into this complete new situation because you know you can still get the same sort of information 
from going online and learning yeah. if you choose to seek that knowledge out. But then when you travel, it's almost like you're dropped in the middle of it and there is no choice but to adapt. Right. You really, like, it's just it's do or die. It's an experience definitely that you have to go through to understand and, like, adapt is such an important word for traveling because you have to learn how to adapt in all different types of situations. Whether I go to Peru or whether I go to, I don't know, any other country, I have to also learn how to adapt. Even, like... So I've gone to Peru. I've, I've also gone recently to Europe. And like <laughs> I had to adapt with the way they eat. They eat like a small bread breakfast. I'm not used to that. I eat like eggs or, you know, a big <laughs> bowl of oatmeal. And like I'm full in the morning. And then I get through my day by eating, you know, smaller meals. But I had to adapt to, to their culture and what they do for breakfast. Because I, I remember I got to the hostel and I was starving because I had like a 7 a.m. train ride. I got to my hostel at like maybe 11 and I was like, where can I get breakfast? They're like, breakfast? We have croissants. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 I want like breakfast. And they're like, croissants? And I'm just like, oh my God. So I had to adapt to that, you know? Like, so, so I mean, that's like a small situation, but anywhere you go, you're gonna have to adapt to, you know, survival mode or, you know, what you eat or, you know, how your mannerisms, right? Like how you react to certain things or even how you communicate. It's either a language barrier or even learning how to use your, your body language as an actual, you know, universal method of language. Um, so I don't know. Adaptability is a huge thing for, for traveling. That's an experience that I think people, a lot of people should do because many people are in their comfort zones here and they don't know what adapting is because they're just so used to what they've grew up in, what, they, what they've just only experienced and they believe the world is only what they see on TV and they don't take the initiative to actually try to experience it for themselves. Um, but I think it's part of growth, right? I think it's part of what you need to, to, to be a better person, to understand and like be able to meet new people and do new things and try to have even more fun than what you're currently doing because you don't, just doing what you do even though it's a great time you don't know what more is out there until you actually do it and there's a lot more out there whether it's in a different country or another state or like anything just try something new I, that's that's mainly the main experience I got from Peru trying something new um, and there's going to be good and bad times that you're going to go through that are going to you know make into the person you are you know like that's great that you say that because I'm a big believer of stepping into the unknown as often as possible because you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. So you're not sure what you're gonna get. Gonna get, And I love when life starts throwing me these crazy mm -hmm. curveballs where I'm in a position like, how did I even get here? Mm -hmm. And you're just so confused by your own situation. Like, wow, life really brought me to this moment mm -hmm. that I could have never even imagined because mm -hmm. I've never had these sort of experiences that would have led me to even think this moment was possible. Mm -hmm. And you only get that by stepping out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. and. Mm -hmm. What I like, too, is how you're saying adaptability is this great thing because practically you can take that skill of adaptability and apply it back home when you do mm -hmm. come back mm -hmm. home, you know. So you do travel and now you become this more well-rounded person. But then what about when you come back home? Like now as you enter into the workforce or you enter into your relationships or friendships or new ventures and new projects, you now have this amazing skill to adapt to new unknown situations and not necessarily get overwhelmed or even when you do start to get overwhelmed you have this understanding that i've been in worse situations this is not an actual life or death situation like you have perspective you have something to relate it to like okay you know i was out in peru and i didn't die so the fact that maybe my boss is mad at me today i'm gonna be okay i could i can eat this and i could keep moving mm -hmm. definitely i think um 
being able to adapt in a different country definitely makes it easier to adapt in your own country <laughs> um you know but i also like you said life throws you curveballs and you have to learn how to adapt with those things and one thing that I, even like for my experience in peru is i got salmonella <laughs> so <laughs> I, I did not know i had salmonella and i got it probably when i first arrived and i was dealing with like you know a lot of pain for those three months that i didn't understand why um, until my last month, I decided to go to the doctor and I was informed that I had salmonella and it was probably in my system the entire time I was in Peru. Um, so that was a huge curveball that was thrown at me, right? Because I wanted to have the most amazing time in Peru, but I realized every time my, every time I did something, uh, my body got physically exhausted a lot more than normal. Um, and so it limited me to, to, to give my full potential in certain things because my body just couldn't, couldn't handle certain things. Um... But that was a huge curveball that I think taught me a lot about myself because I'm, a, I'm the type of person who loves to eat, right? I love to eat anything. Um, literally right now, we, right before this interview, <laughs> Marlon made me uh, fried rice, which was delicious. You know, I, I eat just about anything. Um, and I never paid attention to my body. And until I got sick and I realized what it was, it opened my eyes to, to realize, like, Jessica, you should be paying attention to your body, you know? You can't just go to a different country and not pay attention to yourself. Because um, you, I kind of went to this country and paid a lot of attention to the country. I was not paying a lot of attention to me. And um, I realized from that experience that, wow, I should be paying more attention to me, hearing my body, listening to, to my actual, like, feeling of what's happening. Um, and, and pay attention to that because... Your body is always telling you something. And if it wasn't for that experience, I probably would come here and do the same thing and then eventually in the future have gotten worse, right? And, and more sick. But um, that was a huge curveball that, that taught me to pay attention to myself. And now being back in the U.S., I do pay attention to myself, not only for when I eat food, but also, you know, um, intuition. You know, if, if I have a bad feeling about something, now I, I understand why. And I understand that my body's telling me something that I didn't know, but I should pay attention to and listen and actually be proactive about it. Um, in order to, to, to get to where I want to be. So, um, like you said, it's just curveballs get thrown at you in all different directions, but you, you make them work and you realize something about them. So you just said something and you just opened up a can of worms. All right. So you just said, <laughs> no, seriously, you just said intuition and learning to listen to mm -hmm, the body. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important. And a lot of people don't quite know how to listen to their body. Mm -hmm. They don't understand how to be quiet and let the body speak. And though even when the body speaks, they aren't quite sure how to translate that language, mm -hmm. right? They don't know what those, like what those feelings mean mm -hmm. to them practically. And when you travel or even just take yourself out of your normal, comfortable environment, you're now putting yourself in this new place. And it's almost like things around you quiet down mm -hmm. so that the things inside of you can the volume turns up a bit and you're way more in tune because everything is so new to you and so foreign to you you kind of hold on to the things that are home a little bit tighter which is your body in this case when you're traveling because mm -hmm. that's the only thing you now really do have as you're out there wandering in the world you're not like in your bedroom back at home mm -hmm. where it's like okay this bedroom space is part of me and this house is a part of me and my car is a part of me and my work and my routes and all this stuff is like a part of what I know and it's a part of my life and it's a part of me. Now you're out in the middle of the world or even if you just go camping and you're out in the middle mm -hmm. of the woods, you're now out in this unknown space that doesn't belong to you. So the only things that you really know are your body and you're just there. And now when that's the only thing you have to focus on, it's almost like it now has the opportunity 
to speak to you more clearly. It's not fighting for mm-hmm. your attention. Mm-hmm. So you're able to hear it that mm-hmm. much better. And yeah. that's something like I think everyone needs to be able to, or you don't have to be able to get into tune with it. But if you do get in tune with it, it definitely aids. I think it's another tool that can help you achieve your goals that much faster. Definitely. And I highly believe traveling helps you understand your intuition or, or, or hear it out, right? Um, because, like I said, it's survival method, uh, survival mode in, well, not always, but, you know, there were a lot of moments of, you know, putting yourself in survival mode when you're in a country you don't know. And that's where you really listen to your intuition. You really have to take the time to realize, is this a safe area or is this not a safe area? And why is my body reacting like this in this specific area? There's something here. And, you know, I'm a true believer of energies. We, we had this conversation, too, yesterday about energies and our energies are sending or other people's energies are sending signals to your specific energy and that's what your intuition is it's reacting to those energies you can sense good or bad energies and once you start sensing too much bad energies your body does react to it you just have to learn how to hear it and the more you travel the more you understand that the more you start realizing what is happening right now internally because you know what's happening internally because something must be happening externally right and so um if you travel you learn how to how to understand that a little bit more and actually if you don't travel but you're trying to learn how to understand your intuition i actually just heard a podcast the other day (laughs) talking about this and um they mentioned you know you do know what you like and what you don't like so far right so i know i like chocolate um but i don't like i don't even know what i don't like because i love everything um i don't like give me something you don't like you know I like everything. I don't <laughs> like not being understood. I hate when someone doesn't mm-hmm. understand what I'm trying to say. Like when I'm trying to convey a thought and it's just I'm not able to do it in a way that you understand. Like I'm telling you left and you're hearing right. Mm-hmm. That drives me crazy. Well, that's a hard one to do as like a, a training method because you'll need other people to not understand you to understand that or to do that. Um, but I'm thinking like something you just don't actually like. Like something you just you know you don't like that doesn't involve other people just something that you just don't like i'm trying to think of one too um dang that's kind of hard like i know i like a lot Are we just I, yo, lovers I of all things i don't like milk i don't like drinking okay you milk. don't like that's milk. gross there we go that's really okay gross. so do you like chocolate yes okay so you like chocolate you know you like chocolate but you know you don't like milk so someone was uh, in the podcast was talking about testing your intuition um hearing your body out so if you sit alone in a room and you start thinking about chocolate pay attention to your body how is your body reacting in that moment when you're thinking about chocolate you know your body's reacting you know probably in a certain way just listen to it be in tune with your body during that moment the moment you're thinking about chocolate and then change that to start thinking about milk and now listen to your body because your body is not giving you the same reaction it was when you were thinking about chocolate. And I think the more you practice that with the things you know you like and you don't like, the more you learn about yourself in other different situations to pay attention to now the reaction. Because now you understand your reaction. So that was something I learned just recently. And I wish I would have learned that in, in Peru too. But, you know, I'm telling you guys this because if you start traveling and you start trying to understand your body practice with this first to help you understand what your internal like body is telling you you know sorry were you gonna say something no that's so true and i've always had this i've been asking people for about the past year if your gut feeling has ever been wrong to you like has your intuition ever lied to you 
And for the most part, I haven't gotten anyone to say that their gut's been wrong. Mm -hmm. What I have heard is sometimes people are like, you know what? I got this feeling, but I misinterpreted it. So like Mm -hmm. I thought it was telling me this, but in hindsight, when I reflect, it was actually telling me this. I just started overthinking what the feeling was telling me. Mm -hmm. So I misinterpreted Mm -hmm. the information, but the information itself was still correct. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's so... It's crazy that we're born with this innate feeling to kind of guide ourselves through mm-hmm. the maze to what we want, to our desires. And we just, we learn other things. Our intellect starts to take over. Our brains start to go into overdrive. And then we start fighting against our intuition. Yeah. Where if you follow the intuition, even if it seems like it's leading you into a dark place, still trust it and go through. And you'll surprise yourself being like, wow. I'm where I actually want it to be. Yeah. I I mean, I completely agree with that. Even, like, something as simple for me, while I'm at work sometimes, like, I carry so many different things, like this book bag and that book bag, and my wallet's here, and sometimes it's over there, and and because I have to carry laptops, you know, paperwork, books, whatever. Um, So having all these bags, sometimes I decide, which bag should I take with me to work? And sometimes I have my intuition, like, telling me, take this one, or take both, right? Take both. And a part of me, I'm like, no, I don't really need both because I'm only doing this today and I'll go with one. Then I get to my job and I realize I needed my laptop. Yep. And so sometimes even something like that, I can reflect now and think about it once I'm at home and be like, okay, now I know when my body is telling me that I should listen to right. it because it was like, it was like my mind knew I had a specific meeting that I needed that laptop for. But in that moment, I didn't remember that. Right. And so I should have paid attention to my intuition telling me bring both. Um, so it's just like, it's just like even something as small as that, just paying attention to it now, because these feelings, these small minor intuition feelings are much intense, much more intense in other countries. Um, and they're very important to get you through. Um, I think most travelers will say they trust their intuition in any situation. So did I ever tell you the story about how I almost got lost up in Sequoia National Park? I was up in the forest hiking all day, got separated from my group and I was just you know, being me, I'm playing full, like running around, having fun, playing, exploring. And I'm doing this for so long, I actually forgot which way I came from. And mm-hmm. I was up there all day. And I looked over into the sky and the sun was starting to come down. And I was like, oh, crap, I'm sitting on the top of this mountain right now. And I need to get back down to camp. And I actually don't know which way to go right now. I've been running around. I started sprinting at one point and calmed down and caught my breath and realized I had no clue where I was Mm -hmm. and I was completely alone. And the only thing that guided me back to camp was my intuition because there was a point where I was walking down and nothing looked familiar. Like for the entire walk down to my camp, Mm -hmm. absolutely nothing looked familiar. I get to this point where I'm walking and I guess this trail is beginning to lead me up to another peak. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't quite ascending yet, but I could tell later it would ascend. And I got maybe a good 50 feet, and I just started to get this crazy feeling that I was going in the wrong direction. And the whole way down before this, like the feeling was a nice, warm, mm-hmm. kind of safe feeling where I was like, okay, like I still don't know where I'm going, but I called it following the warm feeling. Like literally, as I was walking, I was thinking, just keep following the warm feeling. Mm-hmm. And the feeling of warmth disappeared and it just started getting really cold and i slowly i was like okay wherever i'm going right now this is not the direction i should be going in anymore Mm -hmm. i don't know if there's danger over there or what but the feeling changed so dramatically 
that I turned around and started walking back. And turns out there was like this fork that I just didn't notice. And I started heading down that. And boom, 10 minutes later, I popped up at camp. And I was just like, wow, like this is insane. Like I really did not, and I didn't recognize it. It wasn't like when I finally saw it again, I was like, oh yeah, this looks familiar. Nothing looked familiar. Mm-hmm. And that's when I learned how to listen to my intuition. Mm-hmm. And I've made myself this promise that for the rest of my life, I'm going to listen to my intuition because I know what happens when I don't. When I don't, right. you know, life still continues, mm-hmm. but just get ready for this lesson that's going to slap you in the face yeah. real hard, real loud. Yeah, and I mean, even that's like a wonderful uh, or a beautiful story about your intuition because you actually listen to it. But, you know, there's a bunch of people who don't listen to it or don't have that same intuition when they're stuck in like, you know, these extreme situations. Um, but if you if you don't listen to it, then that is also like a lesson learned. I'm not saying you have to follow your intuition 24-7 all the time. I mean, it would be nice because your body's telling you something for specific reasons, but sometimes if you don't, it's okay and listen to the lesson that life is teaching you because yeah. at the end of the day, all these things happen for a reason and I truly believe that and I feel like we should we, sh- we need to make mistakes to get better. So if you don't listen to your intuition, it's okay. It'll be a lesson learned. Of course, you know, if you learn how to l- listen to your intuition and you go for it, most likely you'll 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 make it out okay because your body's telling you what you should be doing. Um, but it's it's like again, if you make a mistake, it's fine. Just of course, no one wants to get lost in a <laughs> in a national park when there's probably like bears and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, but what I also want to say from this is maybe even listen to your intuition before you get to that situation. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, like even something like, what are you going to pack? You never know. Like maybe you brought a compass, maybe you brought a map and you were thinking about it. Your intuition was telling you bring those things. But in the moment you're like, oh, this is just going to add weight to my book bag. Maybe I shouldn't bring this. And you just don't bring it along. But then you put yourself in these situations. So, um, either way, like right now we're young, we, we can make mistakes, but we start learning to gain that confidence in what our body is telling us. And I think that's the most important part about just any experience worldwide or or even at home yeah and a big thing i learned is if you make the mistake and you choose to ignore your intuition again for the same or similar situation guess what the lesson you learn will be the exact same lesson so i know i watch a lot of people that continue to repeat the same mistakes Mm -hmm. and that will happen you will get stuck in a loop and keep repeating the same mistakes if you don't choose to learn from it so that's a big heads up Mm-hmm. You know, the lesson you're getting the first time will be the same lesson on number 99 when you mess up again. So just take it the first time and keep it pushing. Definitely. Yeah, so we uh, we covered a lot today. <laughs> we did. I feel like we went from like traveling to, you know, experience and then just intuition. Um, but I think intuition overall is like a huge conversation, whether it's traveling, whether it's just taking a, a, a new job or um, buying a car, you know, all these, I think intuition relates to everything in anyone's experience, um, experiential life, so. Yeah, no, it's all, it definitely is all connected, you know, because, mm-hmm. yeah, that intuition, it really can guide you. Mm-hmm. That's so nice, like, I think it guides you best when you have that goal, when you have that aim, mm-hmm. and that's when intuition can work best for you, because a lot of people I know, they're going to be thinking like, all right, well, why hasn't my intuition gotten me anywhere huh it's like well ask yourself this what is it that you truly desire and i want to know specifically what it is you truly desire and if you can't answer that if it's just like a well i want to be happy okay well what's that actually mean like that's a very broad 
thing. Mm-hmm. That's not a very specific desire. Yeah. So if you give yourself a very specific desire, then your intuition will begin to work to get you there, to hit that target. Or making a specific plan. Like so many people in this world, or even like me during this travel trip, I just wanted to travel and learn about my culture. I didn't plan much about it. And I think that was also a, a part that I wish I could go back and have planned more structurally as to how I wanted my trip to go. But I mean, it is what it is. A lesson is learned. Um, but planning is like such an important piece to anything. You know, you can't just like you said, you, you can be broad, but you need to be specific with your broad long term goal, because if you're not specific, you, you know, you might not get there. You'll go in all different directions without any guidance and you'll go end up like you'll end up going left when you wanted to go right. So um, planning is so important also for for traveling and thinking about what your end goal is and what your specific goals are during those trips like I know when I was in Peru I wanted to visit all these other cities so I didn't plan it but I ended up going to them um but if I would have planned it I probably would have visited more right because I left Peru with a list of other cities I wanted to visit (laughs) and I would love to go back and visit them um but if I would have planned it ahead of time I probably could have made it to all those cities word so do you have any future trips in mind anything what's up next for you do you have any plans yet uh, yes and no. So I know when my vacation time is, um, and they're like a week long for each one, maybe 10 days. So I think my next one's Costa Rica. <laughs> and after that, I don't know, I really want to go to Colombia. Um, and then my other countries, you know, Australia is definitely on the list. I don't know if I'm going to do that this year because that's a really big trip I would love to plan and, and take time to, to develop like an actual itinerary for my time there because there's so much I want to see. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be this year or next, um, but Australia is definitely on the list. And one more question for people that are listening. Are you ridiculously rich? Like, is it hard? To, like, I know a lot of people want to travel, but they feel that they don't quite have the funds to do it. Or, you know, what's up? Like, do you need a lot of money to travel? No. Um, I mean, of course, it depends on your level of comfort, right? Like, I don't think many people would want to stay in certain areas if you know it's dangerous you you might want to spend a little bit more money to be a little bit safer but it all depends on you um and i know myself i'm okay to put myself in any situation to be quite honest if it's a bad neighborhood that's fine you know i if i'm getting something cheap out of it then i'll put myself there it also depends on what i know about the area right um so do your research before you go to any country um in terms of level of safety and and you know the crime rate and all of those things those are really important to learn um, but it just depends on your level of comfort. For me, because I can put myself in any situation and I pay attention to my intuition, I'm okay with any type of environment. Um, so for me, I book the cheapest of the cheapest. <laughs> um, I do hostels or you know Airbnbs in like not the safest neighborhoods. Um, there's also couch surfing, which I have not done, but I would totally do. Um, depends on the country and the place and like if, how I meet those people. Um, there's a bunch of like places online you can just start talking to travelers and many travelers will tell you their experience and then tell you hey if you want to come here you can stay with me and you can just go with them um even buying a flight can be cheap i actually am a fan of layovers um because you can explore different countries which i've done on my layovers um so as long as you're okay with that you know you're not in first class on the plane you're just you know um coach and you have a layover it reduces the price and if you're flying maybe not overnight but throughout the day i mean 
it just depends on you, right? I don't mind those things. I don't mind just being on a plane all day and then arriving late at night, but then sleeping and starting my, my whole experience the next day early in the morning in the new country I'm in. Um, so those types of methods save you money in terms of flight and in terms of stay. Um, I used a lot of public transportation in Peru. That could also be risky depending where you are, but to me, I trusted my intuition. I talked to them first, and you know, I pay attention a lot to to where exactly we are, and I figure out the routes on my own. The more I travel, the more I go out and explore my own, so that I know I'm I'm what I'm doing is in the correct direction. Um, but yeah, you can use public transportation as opposed to always getting an Uber. <laughs> you know, there's there's definitely ways you can go around that and save yourself some money. Um, even in terms of food, in other countries, food is so much cheaper than in the U.S. So you will be saving yourself a lot of money um, by eating out anywhere. Um, especially in Peru. Peru is $1 is 3 soles, so 3 soles. Um, with like 7 soles, which is about a little bit more than $2, you get like a soup and a meal and a drink and like that fills you up for maybe breakfast and lunch so you skip two meals and then you can have like a small dinner so that saved me money right just kind of brunching it every day and skipping breakfast and lunch and just shoving it into one meal so it just just depends again like your level of comfort if you're okay with getting out of your your um your routines and and being able to just adapt honestly nice Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like no one has any excuses to not get out and travel. Definitely. If you need help finding flights, you can reach out to me. My Instagram is... <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Hit that shameless plug. Throw the Instagram in there. <laughs> underscore Jess underscore Rojas. That's R-O-J-A-S underscore. <laughs> but um, yeah, I like to post my travels too. So feel free to reach out. <laughs> nice. So thanks for coming on. Thank you.